You guys like the weather that I was worried about? I really, you know, February to me is the possibility of ice storms, and today you had the possibility of sunburn, so, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, we're going to sing number 160, 160. So get your blue hymnal, if you will, 160. Oh, 
singing. I appreciate your good singing tonight. If you can, let's all stand. We'll sing number 308. 308.
singing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Brandon, if you would, open us in prayer. Yes, Lord. Amen. Please do be seated. I do appreciate the good support tonight and do be in prayer. Uh, Monday was going to be a busy night for a lot of folks, and so I'm glad y'all are here. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, now what percentage after tonight will we be? 41. <laughs> eight messages. We've had three. We're going to have a fourth tonight. Four from eight is. 50%. There you go. We'll be halfway done at the evening tonight. And so, uh, anyhow, uh, I, and I'm not trying to count it down on you, brother. I, I really not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I really do want you to think about how precious it is and how fast it goes by. You know, it's kind of like life. The Bible says our life appears as a vapor, appears for a moment and it vanisheth away. The opportunity that we have to ask God to help us to walk on higher ground. Amen. And we got a week to do it. And so if you would, let's just ask the Lord to move on our hearts, our hearts, and our hearts. And so if you would, let's do be in prayer for that tonight. I will say this, I had a very good visit with Clarence today. Uh, he's getting around, he's doing well. Um, he told me a few things that I was concerned about, so I called his son, and his son clarified them for me, but uh, he's, he's doing well. And uh, so do keep him in your prayers, and uh, if, you, if you'd like to visit, we'll give you an address and everything. He's, he's, uh, he, he's, he's fun to visit because he has a good sense of humor, and he, he just, you know, uh, he's going to say, huh, a lot. And honestly, you have to really speak up, and, and, uh, but anyhow, uh, it's fun to visit, if you will. And so please do uh, keep him in your prayers. Brother, I'm looking forward to a great night. And so you come and you bring the message to the Lord's laid on your heart. Thank you, preacher. All right, let's take our Bibles tonight. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark, shall we? Mark chapter number four tonight. I appreciate Brother Bradshaw clarifying the percentage issue because he was making me conscientious. <laughs> no, not at all. I tell you, these opportunities like this, to be able to sit just some time apart and gather around the Word of God and have God speak to us, what a privilege. That's ours and belongs to us as His people. Uh, I want to say this before we get started. You're turning over to Mark chapter 4. Uh, I appreciate those who have brought food. Man, you keep feeding us like this, and we're not going to leave. Uh, we're just going to camp out, and uh, those things. Man, we have ate uh, like kings, and you've treated us such with such graciousness. I mean that from the very depth of my heart, uh, to a fault. We certainly don't deserve uh, your hospitality, but from the bottom of my heart and our family, thank you for all that you've done for us thus far. 
And we are looking forward to the week just together around the things of God. And so let's get started tonight. Mark chapter 4, you reach a place, let's stand together, shall we? We'll give our attention to the scriptures tonight. Go to the end of the chapter with me, would you? Mark chapter number 4, and let's begin in verse number 35. Mark chapter 4 tonight and verse 35. The Bible says, in the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. Our Father tonight, we thank you, dear God, for your entire word, but we thank you for portions of scripture like this that give us a glimpse into our Savior. And dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity tonight. And pray, God, you'll just watch over us. Pray your hand would be upon the service. And God, I do ask that you'll clear my mind of all faults and distractions. I pray that you'd fill my voice with thus saith the Lord. God, you'd use me as nothing more and certainly nothing less than a vessel in your hand that Father might be able to get the message across. May you speak to our heart, have liberty to work in and amongst our midst. God, will be careful to thank you and praise you for it even now as we ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very, very much. You may be seated. We find here in verse number 35 that after teaching and preaching the entire day uh, the gospel and talking to the different crowds that the Lord comes to his disciples and he tells them, he says, listen, I want you to get into a ship and I want you to go with me across the sea. The disciples being who they are and obedient to what the Lord has asked of them, they take, they disperse the crowd, they gather their things, they take the Lord Jesus and they set sail across the Sea of Galilee. The Bible teaches you and I in verse number 37 that on their journey across the sea that there arose a great storm. Now would you understand with me tonight that when the Bible uses the word storm that there is a greater application than just the physical elements of a storm? You realize we use this in our own modern vernacular, in our terminology, we talk about the storms of life. And we're not talking about physical storms with rain and, and lightning and that kind of stuff. We're talking about situations. We're talking about circumstances and events that come into our life and often cause us mental stress, sometimes emotional anguish, 
Other times they cause us just a, a spiritual chaos and those kind of issues. And so they are events, not necessarily, that deal with the physical, but they cause all these other issues that come along with it. And there is an application of the idea of a storm that goes far above just the physical elements of whatever's happening and taking place. We find that there is a storm that has arisen as these disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee and it has caused them a great deal of turmoil and anguish. Not just are they worried about their physical life, but they began to stress. They began to wonder and think, how is this going to turn out? By way of introduction, let me focus a little bit on this storm for just a moment and we'll work our way through and we'll get to the message tonight. But I want you to notice some things about a storm with me. When we think about a storm, we think about danger. A storm is not some idea of a light rainfall that kind of just drizzles, kind of like what we had yesterday and uh, even Saturday somewhat. It just kind of soaks in. And every once in a while, it's nice just to go sit out on the back porch with a cup of coffee and watch a nice, slow, soaking rain come down. That's not the idea of a storm. A storm carries the idea of lightning, thunder, high winds, in, in our area where I'm from, you think about storm and immediately you think about tornadoes. I, I mean, devastation, destruction that comes along with a storm. It's interesting that you study this event that's taking place right here in Mark. And if we were to take the time and go look in Luke's gospel in chapter 8, the Bible says in verse 23 there that the disciples were in jeopardy. In other words, this was a dangerous situation. It carried with it some real peril that could affect them and their overall well-being. And so we do. We think about storms and the way they arise into our lives. And they cause the potential to be very dangerous. Uh, they're not some little incident often. They're very... Um, serious, they're very real in what we deal with, and they carry danger with it. We think not only about danger, but we think about darkness. We look here in our passage, and the Bible says that Jesus come to his disciples when it was evening. By the time, no doubt, they dispersed the crowd, they got all the rigging together, got the boat out and started setting sail, uh, we can assume tonight very clearly from the passage that by the time they got out and this storm arose, Ladies and gentlemen, it's probably quite dark. You don't think about darkness. Darkness won't hurt you, but darkness will sure cause you to hurt yourself. <laughs> you ever got up at night, had to go to the restroom, those things, and can't see? You're already groggy anyway, and you're trying to make yourself through. And, and, and those things. I'm always worried about what I'm going to step on, you know, a time like that. Used to, I, I was worried about what I'd step on. Now... We have a bed, and it's my wife's bed. You say, why do you say that? Because if it was my bed, I'd take a skill saw to that thing. <laughs> but you know what happens invariably? I get up, go to the restroom, come back, and I'll make my way around the corner, and of all things, I catch my pinky toe on that bed frame every single time. The darkness didn't hurt me. But the darkness sure made me hurt myself. And sometimes with darkness, there's uncertainty. There's the unknown. There's the imagination. That's why often children 
are scared of the dark and not so children sometimes. But anyway, that's a different story. When it comes to the issue, darkness is there and we have to be careful about what we do in the dark when we can't see clearly and we don't know what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, some of the worst times to make decisions in life is when there's darkness and there's not a clear path or direction. So we think about a storm, we think about danger, we think about darkness. Let me also talk to you about the fact that we think about the details. The Bible says about this storm, it is a storm of wind. It is not a sandstorm. It is not a snowstorm. It is a storm of wind. It is very detailed and specific in what kind of storm it is. You might find this interesting, but if you study your Bible and study the idea of storms, you'll never find the word storms, plural, in all the Bible. It's nowhere found. It is always singular. And that's because every storm that you go through is unique Every storm that you have to face is specific and particular. Now, we sometimes use it talking about the different events that we go through, and we use the term storms in a plurality. But my friend, honestly, every storm that you go through is a unique event. It's a unique experience. And the way that it affects you personally is unique within itself. The Apostle Paul went through such a storm that it was called, and according to Acts chapter 27, this storm had its very own name. It was called Eurachlodon in Acts chapter 27. And I'm just trying to help us to understand that sometimes when we deal with storms, we need to realize that the how they affect us and what we deal with. We say, Preacher, I've been through multiple storms. Well, I, I've been through some along the way. But I promise you, every one was unique. Every situation had a different ramification. All the details that came along the way were different as they went through. So we look at this idea of a storm and we see the idea of danger and we see the darkness that come along with it. We see the details. Let me also tell you for, an in, for a moment this, this evening, there is the issue of the development of this storm. The Bible says about this storm that it arose. It didn't build, it arose. I come from the plains of Oklahoma and that kind of stuff. And a lot of times when storm season comes in the spring, you can look and you can see the storms build out towards the southwest and you'll see them start making their way over and they just, those thunderheads just build up and you can watch them, they develop over a period of time before they ever reach your location. That's not the way this storm came about. The Bible says it arose. And the idea is that they were going through a calm time, everything was good, and all of a sudden, now they're in the middle of a storm. And if you would understand the geography of the Sea of Galilee and exactly what's going on, they say that this is a common occurrence because the Sea of Galilee is so far down below sea level and it's surrounded by high mountains. What often happens is that cold air will come off those mountains and they'll hit that warm sea atmosphere and storms out of nowhere arise on an occasional or actually on a on a normal basis. 
And isn't that the way it works often in our life? It's amazing how problems can come out of nowhere. I, I'm amazed how we'll have a Sunday at home and things will go well and everything's good. And, you know, I, I, I thought we had a good day. And, I mean, there's occasions that the preaching isn't even half bad. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, hey, the, today went well. The music was good. The people were friendly. Everything was. And then all of a sudden, the phone rings. And what was a good day has been turned up upside down because of something that's happened. Some incident that's occurred in somebody's life. Or, or one conversation, preacher, can I talk to you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. It's amazing how they can just all of a sudden arise out of nowhere. And so we find very clearly that these disciples have set sail across the sea. And this storm has the potential to bring some harm and wreak havoc in their lives. But here's what I want you to notice with me, and I want you to focus in on verse 37 with me tonight. Verse 37, the Bible says this. It says, There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. I'm interested in the ship tonight. I'm interested in the boat, if you would. Because the issue is we could sit here and focus all our time and spend the rest of our time together this evening looking at the storm, but I'm more interested in the vessel that the storm has an effect on. And you realize this is exactly what the Bible teaches. You and I are a vessel. There, talk, the Bible talks about there are some vessels under honor and there are some vessels under dishonor. And I'm not going to go into the details about that, but I'm just saying the Bible likens us and our walk and our Christian life often as a vessel. And notice the ship here. The Bible says that this storm came upon this ship and it beat on it. I mean, just keep one after another after another, after another, to the point that this Bible tells us the ship was full. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I'm going to be honest with you tonight. There have been times in my Christian life and my service for the Lord that I've gone through storms and I've gone through issues and it seems like just wave after wave after wave. And I've gotten to the point in times of my life where I feel like I can't handle anything else. I can't take another issue. I, I, I'm full. And you say, well, preacher, you ought to be stronger than that. Well, I, I would probably agree with you. I ought to. But I'm just going to be honest, I guess, if nothing else, confess to you tonight that there are times in which I have been able to deal with things and there have been times that it's had such an impact on me. I've gotten to that point where, man, I just feel in my heart and in my spirit that, man, I just, I'm full. I can't deal with anything else. We often call it in our terminology being overwhelmed. And we can get there. We can have things. And maybe your storm is not the same as somebody else's storm. But can I tell you this? The vessel that you and I have can get to that point and place where we're just full and really can't deal with much else. 
The Bible says this in Job chapter 14, verse 1. It says, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. John chapter 16, verse 6. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. And we can get there, can't we? We can deal with things. And it doesn't matter if you're a teenager It doesn't matter tonight if you're middle-aged or a young person or you've got some seniority about you. Ladies and gentlemen, the truth of the matter is our vessel can get to that point at one place or another where we just feel like we're full. I want us to look at this passage tonight and just give you a couple of thoughts on when your boat is full. What do we do? How does it transpire? What's the answers for when our boat is full? Let me first of all talk to you tonight about the fearful inquiry. Notice what it says in verse number 40. Uh, Well, number verse 38, it says that Jesus here, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow and they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And The Bible teaches that when Jesus responds to them, he says, why are you so fearful? It is fear that has caused them to come to the Lord and inquire of him. They are in doubt and they're questioning the Lord. And beyond that, actually, they're accusing him. Now, let me push the pause button for just a moment and say something to you if I can. When it comes to the issue of dealing with things I have heard often in my Christian life on multiple occasions that under no circumstances should God's people ever ask why. That if we ask why, somehow it's a sin and we're out of line with God and that shouldn't be, we have no right to ask God why. Can I tell you, you'd be hard-pressed to find that or verify that from the Scriptures. In fact, it is part of our nature to find out why something is going on. I, I tell you, if, if I have caused a storm in my life, if I have been disobedient, I want to know, I want to get to the root of it so I can fix it and get right and move on in my relationship with the Lord. If it's something that He's brought my way, then I want to know that too so I can learn from it and grow and be what He wants me to be. Finding why is not... A sin. Don't, don't, don't let somebody make you feel bad because somehow in your spirit, in your heart, you're going through a trial or a tribulation and automatically, man, why is this happening? That doesn't make you wicked and it doesn't make you weak, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, I'd tell you this. Our Savior, at the very darkest time, not just of His earthly life, But the very darkest time of human existence, Jesus hung on the cross and out of his heart and spirit cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And our Savior was that sinless, spotless Lamb of God without sin. And so just wanting to know why something's happening is not a sin It's actually a natural process of trying to get to the root of a trial or what we call a storm in our life. 
But when these disciples come to the Lord, there is not an inquiry as much as it is an accusation. You think about the audacity of these men. These men come to the Savior. And they're not asking why is this happening, what's going on. They have pointed their finger at the Son of God and said, don't you even care? Don't you care that we're going to die in this storm and all that's going on? Don't you care? Now my friend, that's a bold accusation. Because these men had been with the Savior. And I'll tell you, it's a no-brainer. Of course he cares. They had watched him. They seen with their own eyes how in Mark chapter 1 and verse 23, he walks into the synagogue and heals a young man who's demon-possessed there and delivers him out of that situation. They saw in chapter 2 and verse 11, there was a man who was sick of the palsy and he was let down through the roof and Jesus heals him of his infirmity. There was a man in chapter 3 and verse number 5 who the Bible says has a withered hand and the Lord touched him and restored his hand as whole as the other. I mean, situation after situation after situation and my friend, the Lord Jesus had proven beyond his need to, had proven to those men, of course he cares. How often we forget what the Lord has done and how often we forget how good he's been and what he's brought us through and how powerful and mighty he's shown himself on our behalf. How often we get ourselves into a storm and in the darkness and in, the, and, and in those situations and we start wondering, Lord, do you, are, are, are you here? Do you care? Do you not know what's going on? We start not just asking and inquiring why, but if we're not careful, we often go beyond that. And make accusations to the Lord that's really not fair and not accurate. But can I tell you, when we're going through things, sometimes it, it causes us not to think right. Those disciples knew that he cared. He had proven it to them. He had proven it in their life, and he had proven it in the life of others. My friend, they're not thinking right. And I'm not justifying what they've done. But I am telling you there is some understanding of what caused this. May I remind you that sometimes it's not just the Lord that we throw accusations at. Sometimes it's one another. And we say things to those we love. We make statements. We act in haste. And again, I'm not justifying any of it. But I would tell you it'd help you and I to realize sometimes that people are going through some issues. And sometimes there's a darkness in their life and hap they happen to be going through a storm and there's fear that is set inside them. And because of them, they're not thinking properly. And so they may lash out and they may say something and they may do something. And it would do you and I well to remember uh, hey, it's not right, and they shouldn't do it. 
But they normally wouldn't act that way. They normally wouldn't do that. We find very clearly here there's a fearful inquiry. But then I want you to notice with me the fruitful intent. We look at this situation and we say, okay, why did the Lord do this? What's the purpose of this storm? What is it trying to accomplish? And what is it trying to do in the lives of these disciples? I personally believe there's two things here that we can learn as far as the fruitful intent. There is the intent on why the Lord allowed this to happen. And the first thing I would tell you is this. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes the Lord allows storms to come into our life so we can learn to trust Him. You know, when we can always see clearly and we can look all the way to the back wall and we see everything the way we need to and want to, we can sometimes make those steps without a whole lot of faith. But when you can't see to the back and it's dark and you don't know necessarily what to do and you still have to take a step, sometimes you've got to trust Him to make that step. God will bring things into our lives so you'll trust Him. You understand with me tonight that the Lord wants our faith to grow? Uh, We have to exhibit faith in order to get saved. Are are, are we all on the same page? We do. We have to exhibit faith. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. So we have to exhibit faith in order to be saved. But our faith shouldn't stay there. As a child of God... Our faith ought to grow as we progress in our Christian life. In fact, in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the disciples come to the Lord Jesus and they make that very statement. They request of Jesus, they say, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, help us, teach us what it is to have faith. And it's interesting because the very next thing the Lord tells them if you had this faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now I find it interesting because most people and most commentaries will say something along the lines, well, if you just have a little bit of faith, you don't have to have much. If you just have a little bit, then you can, do to, you can say to this mountain, uh, be removed and cast into the sea and you can move this tree and that. Do you realize that when the Lord likens our faith to a mustard seed, it's not the issue of the size of the mustard seed. It's more to it than that. In fact, you're with me in Mark chapter number 4 in our text. Go back a couple of verses if you would and notice in verse number 31, would you? Verse 31, Mark chapter number 4. The Bible says it is a grain of mustard, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less. So it is small, but, it, but is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. The issue when he's talking about our faith as a grain of mustard seed is the fact that that seed is to be planted and God desires for our faith to grow. So how does he do that, preacher? 
by often putting us through trials. Putting us through situations and circumstances and tests. I say, I don't like that. Oh, I, I'm right at the front of the line. I don't like it either. <laughs> but that's really not the issue. That's how we grow. And so, by the disciples witnessing and watching and, sh- and seeing for themselves this storm and watching God's hand on them and taking care of them, it allowed them to, 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 to grow in their faith and, and, and to, to learn to trust the Lord. So that's the primary reason here. But there's also a secondary reason. Go with me back to verse 36. Look quickly, verse 36. It says, when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. Now notice this next statement. And there were also with him other little ships. When Jesus sets off with those 12 across the Sea of Galilee, they're not the only boat that took off from the port that day. The Bible says there's other little ships. So there's others watching them. Do you realize tonight, and it took me a long time to realize this in my own life, not every storm I go through is about me. That's difficult. Because you think, well, it's my life, it's my situation, my circumstances, of course it's about me. No, not necessarily. No, I understand that God does things and teaches us and helps us trust Him and things. But sometimes... He'll put you through something because he wants somebody else to witness it in your life. You remember in the Old Testament, the prophet by the name of Hosea? The Bible teaches you and I that Hosea was a good man. One that feared God and loved the Lord. And God tells Hosea, He says, I want you to go, and I'm not trying to use flippant language or anything like that, but it is the word that the Bible uses. And the Bible says to him to go marry a woman of whoredoms. That's the caliber. That's the character of woman that God told him to go marry. And you say, well, why? Because she became unfaithful. She put him through all kind of misery and problems. But do you know the first four chapters of the book of Hosea that describe that situation and that scenario? It's not about Hosea. It's about a message to the nation of Israel showing them how they have treated God. Oh, are you telling me that God put Hosea through all that hurt and pain to send a message to somebody else? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And sometimes God will put you through a storm. God will put you through a situation, a circumstance, and yeah, it's hurtful, it's dangerous, and even sometimes devastating to you. But there are others watching. Mom, Dad, there's other little ships, there's other vessels watching your life and seeing how you're going to respond and how you're going to take on the issues that come that God allows 
to happen in your life. Uh, Grandma, Pawpaw, you got grandkids that are looking and seeing how you go through things and how you deal with things. And it's not just moms and dads and grandmas and uh, pawpaws, but sometimes it's aunts and it's uncles. And I'll tell you this, it's sometimes in a church family. You got young people that are growing up here and they say, well, it's not, they're not my family and that stuff, but they're a part of your church family. And I tell our church often, my children are going to learn things not just from their dad and not just from the preacher, but they're going to learn things from the life of the church body that God's allowed them to be a part of. And my friend, there's others watching how you and I respond and go through the storms. And sometimes God puts us through those things for the benefit of others. So, I want my children to be able to look at dad and say, you know, I know there are some things that happened. I know there are some things that caused dad a little bit of frustration. I know that there's some things that caused him some tears along the way. Man, I also watched God show my dad some grace. And I watched God in his life. And I watched God do some things. My children are watching. And I don't go through that storm all by myself. I go through it not just with them and not just with my wife. But I've got a church family that's watching how their pastor handles issues. Come on, we're, we're connected as a church body. And sometimes the storms we go through are not really about us as much as it is those around us. There's the fearful inquiry. There's the fruitful intent. And let me give you this tonight. There's the first-hand insight. Do you understand it was through this storm that these disciples got a first-hand witness of the Lord Jesus Christ and the way he handles some things and the power that he has. I don't know what it would have been like to be going through that storm and the lightning and the wind and the rain and everything and the boat being tossed to and fro and I mean one wave after another and that kind of stuff. I, I don't know what it would have been like. And I sure would have liked to see him, though, the Lord Jesus get up, walk out on the bow of that boat, look out across that sea, and say, peace be still, and watch the very creation obey the Creator. And it calms down. Don't you like that? Don't you like it when the Lord steps into the middle of your storm, the middle of your problems, and the middle of what you deal with, and He just takes care of it? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't stress Him out. It doesn't cause Him to oh, panic or twiddle His thumbs or wonder, oh, how am I going to handle this? No, He just walks out into the things that cause me so much frustration sometimes, so much anxiety, and, and, and I don't know if you, you, you understand this tonight or not or believe it. Uh, my wife would understand. I'm a worrywart. 
I just, I, I wish I wasn't, but I worry about everything. I start thinking, you know, somebody at church says, preacher, can I talk to you? And I'm thinking, oh, great, you know, and I'm thinking three moves ahead and what's happening and what's the worst case scenario and that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you things that cause me stress and worry and anxiety and all that kind of stuff, I'm, doesn't bother him a bit. I'm so glad that he's got everything under control. Do you understand you and I don't get to see that without the storm? Everybody makes a big deal about Daniel chapter 3, and it's a wonderful story or account in the Bible of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And everybody thinks, man, what it must have been like to, to have the Lord show up and everything. Do you realize the Lord doesn't show up and walk with those men without that fire? And we often like the result and the ending of the account. But you don't get the ending without the fire. You don't get it without the storm. Sometimes God brings those things into our life just so he can remind you and me just exactly who he is. And I, for one, am amazed at how many times God has stepped right out in the middle of my problems. And I'm thought, man, this thing is never going to end. We're never going to reach the other side. I'm going to be stuck in this storm from here on out. And I watch God just go dink, 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 and work all the situation and all the circumstances and all the things and just line everything up. I I'm just telling you, he's a good God tonight. me we look at this account and we think man I, I yeah preacher I like it when he steps out and he tells the wind and the sea peace be still I, I man that's wonderful but do you understand with me tonight he doesn't do that in every storm sometimes we look at this account and we think the miracle or the only miracle that's done is when he steps out on the bow of the ship and calms everything. But go back with me in verse 37. There's another miracle. Verse 37, the scripture tells you and I this. It says, There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Would you understand with me that the law of physics determines when there is as much water in the boat as there is out of the boat that that thing doesn't stay afloat? Well, I mean, was it really full? That's what the Bible says. I'm just going to stick with the scriptures tonight. And the Bible says it was full. And so here you have this boat that is full of water on the inside. And there was a miracle taking place long before Jesus ever stepped out and said, peace be still. The fact that that thing was still floating and still moving and still going was a testament not to the, not to the sailors. The sailors couldn't say, yeah, <coughs> We're skillful. Look at us. 
we got ourselves through this problem. Nope. They were panicking. <laughs> Don't you care? They didn't know what to do. It wasn't because of the quality of the vessel. Vessels get torn up. Paul sailed, and in that storm we call by name Eurachlodon, the very vessel he rode in ended up in pieces across the sea. The testament, the fact that that thing stayed afloat was not to the sailors. It wasn't the quality of the vessel. It was because of the Savior who was on board. think about my own church tonight I think about some families that this last year have gone through some struggles and some problems and the fact that they've stayed faithful the fact that they keep walking with God step after step after step remain faithful to the house of God service after service is a testament to the fact that God's kept them afloat. Not always does God step in the middle of your storm and take care of the problems. Sometimes the miracle is found and that we don't come apart and we don't sink to the bottom in despair. The fact that he gets us from day to day to day is a testament to the great power and grace of our Lord. But again, sometimes we don't get to see that. We don't get to experience that sustaining grace without the storm. It gives us a first-hand insight to our Lord. When our boat is full and the waves are crashing and beating us around, thank God that not only can He, not only can He calm the storm, but He can keep us afloat through the storm. I'd leave you with this verse tonight. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Jesus made a promise. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. That word leave is an interesting word because it has the idea of to release, to let go, or to let sink. That's as long as I'm with you. I have the ability to keep you afloat and going through even the most difficult of storms. Does our boat get full? It does in this life. Our boat gets full with different cares, different issues, different situations. And I tell you, there's more times than I'd like to admit tonight. There have been times, man, I just, I'm not sure I can handle anymore.
And then I step back and I realize he's kept me going all this time. And the same God that kept me afloat thus far will keep me afloat tomorrow and the next day and the days after. What a great God we really serve. So let me ask you tonight. Some of you, I look across the room and without knowing any situations or circumstances, I can see it on your face. Some of you have been through some storms. Some of you tonight are going through some storms I have no doubt about. You think, man, preacher, I sure wish God would step out on my bow and calm everything, and he may very well do that in his time. But he may not. But I promise you, you can still trust him. And you still be grateful that he keeps you afloat through it all. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed tonight. We stand to our feet. You need to come tonight, spend some time on the altar.